Ooh, that was a good one. It yeah. like gets better every time you do it. Every time, man. Surprise! <laughs> Belated birthday present. This dude's been grinding since day one. Yeah, and it's something like, who are these dipshits? Exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Grindcasters, welcome to another episode of the Grind and Gain Show. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm Johnny. And, and I'm Brian. <laughs> Hold on. That was wrong. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh, man. No, just, just keep going, Andrew. <laughs> All right, back for we'll, we'll throw it to you, I'm Brian. Go back you'll know. You'll Damn, know. Johnny. What? Johnny, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, dude? What's going on? How you been? How you been? Oh, oh, am I supposed to... You know what? I'm just going to just jump into something here. I got a little rant I'm about to go off on. And it's just... Lately, I've just been wanting... Let's go. Let's hear it. I like rants. (laughs) No, I'm just about to hit another level, dude. I'm about to just hit another gear, take it up a notch. There's just uh, a lot of stuff's been going on. I really kind of narrowed it down to three things. One of them, uh, like we talked about last episode, Kobe. You've got my attention. Yeah, Kobe. And this Kobe thing just really affected me. And, you know, I was never really the biggest Kobe fan ever. But after hearing his story about with his daughter and how that mama mentality didn't wasn't just on the court, it transferred into his life and his parenting techniques and the way he raised his kids, being a father having a daughter, having another daughter on the way, you know, it just really struck a chord with me. All these stories and quotes from him about the pride he had in being a girl dad and um, things like that. You know, another thing, you and me in this this podcast, you know, how we were just constantly exploring success, trying to just get into the minds of successful people. And um, one of the things that they always talk about is kind of getting up and getting up early and getting after it. Every, almost every single guest has said something about that. Right. Um, and then the other day you introduced me to David Goggins and this dude blew savage. my fucking mind. I mean, he's the real deal. And he's like, really just what I needed to kind of push me over that hump and get me going right now. Um, so, I mean, I live out here in Denver and You know, every morning I wake up, it's hard. The bed's warm. It's cold as shit out here. It's dark. I don't feel like doing anything. I force myself out of bed. I go take my morning shit and I watch a couple David Goggins videos on my Instagram and I just get fired up to go and do something, go to the gym, work out and just start the day off on the right foot. And um, that's just where I'm at right now. And I just wanted to share that and everybody needs to get on this, this level right now that's good man david goggins yeah. is the man he uh he will make you question what the human body and mind is capable of that's awesome man i'm glad uh you, i'm glad you, you're in a motivated space man i'm feeling good so i'm feeling fired great. up I, I, yeah, all right all right, man. all right well let's let's get into the show man and but before we do i got a question to ask you uh-huh who is your favorite Best of Atlanta personal trainer as voted by Jezebel Magazine for 2018 and 2019. Oh, dude, it's Brian Jean-Pierre with without a question, without a doubt. Really? Yeah. Okay, give it to me. Why? Well, I mean, not only has he competed at the highest level in the NFL, as you said, he's the top trainer for ATL, two years running. He's an extremely smart guy, and if you follow his social, you know, you'll quickly see that, I mean, he's a branding and marketing expert. He really knows this stuff inside and out and it's starting to really pay off for him. So nice, man. You yeah. you think we could get him on the show? Yeah, actually uh, he's right here. Brian, welcome to the show, bud. What up, what up, what up, Brian? Yeah. How you doing, fellas? Woo. Yeah, good, man, man, we're good. Appreciate, appreciate you taking the time, having you on, man. Absolutely, man. Hey, for the opportunity. Awesome. Hey, before we get going, though, what are your thoughts on kind of what I was just talking about, about getting up and attacking the day? Um, Man, I, I honestly, I didn't even know there was another option. Um, In my opinion, like, man, it, it, life is long, but at the same time, it's so short, man. And I, I think you have to put 
push the envelope of existence. And like you mentioned about that guy that'll push you uh, mentally and push the body physically. It's like, yeah, that's what has to be done on a regular, regular, regular occurrence. Um, we only have about a hundred years here, and you know, thirty-one of them years already went by for me. So if you double that, I'll be sixty something. Um, so it really puts time in, into perspective. I mean, I just feel like yesterday I was on the field with with you, Johnny, and now I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, whoa, you know. The saying is, the days go slow, the years go fast, and with that, with that being my mindset, dude, it, it's so serious. And I mean, we look at what Kobe's done in a short amount of time. Um, he lived, a, he lived a very full life, but it's because he had that mentality is why we we are so taken back about what that what he's accomplished and the person he was on the courts, off the courts, with his kids, et cetera, et cetera. If he didn't have that mentality, you know, no offense to anybody in the past, and but. But I don't know if they would have had an impact like they did that as Kobe has. No, right, right. No, definitely so not. That mindset is imperative, and I get it, man. It's hard. It's everybody's first time living, so I think we set a lot of expectations, and we set a lot of uh, we take a lot of wisdom from from people that have done this before us. And you don't know what what side is right, what side is wrong, and what side is up, what's down, what's going to save you in the long run. There's so much to choose from, but you just have to take advantage of, of what you can control. And like we've just discussed in the first, you know, few minutes of this uh, is, is that you just have to control your mentality. As long as you control that, you'll learn how to deal with anything else. That's awesome. I, I like the point you made about time and, you know, a hundred years would be great for, you know, everybody. I, I saw a clip of Muhammad Ali and uh, it was when Muhammad Ali was probably 35 and he was doing a live TV interview kid stood up. He was like 10 years old. He asked Muhammad Ali what he wanted to do when he retired. Muhammad Ali started breaking down the amount of time that you actually get to live. Cause if you think about how much we sleep, how much we're in the car, how much we're, we're traveling. I mean, how much living do you actually get to do? So not as much as you think, (laughs) right? Right. So Brian, you, you, you've got some really amazing momentum, some awesome stuff going with your gym. You're doing a ton of stuff, right? Um, I, I was looking at your site a couple of days ago. Your gym is a private invite only gym. Um, I love the theme, the colors. It's got kind of like a mysterious vibe, but you also got like the highlighter, like, you know, punch in the face type theme. So where did that idea kind of spawn? <sighs> where did it spawn? Um, I I, uh, I created that that the whole concept um, was was created by default in a sense. Um, I would I've been training for about two years, and the facility I was at was too small for me. Um, I was renting gym space with another location, very similar to like a barber shop or a beauty supply shop. You pay to rent the chair essentially, and then you have to pay your rent or uh, your boots rent, etc. So same thing when in the, in the training game for independent trainers. So I had a pretty solid book of business that I had been building uh, for that two years. And it just got to a place where, you know, I was busting out the seams. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started the process of looking about what it even looked like to open a gym. I I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom is, you know, straight blue collars, work for work, retire, 401s, put it away, save it, save it, save it, save it, and then retire. Um, So it's my first time doing any of the stuff that I'm doing right now. And I do make it look somewhat like I know what's going on. I don't know what the hell's going on. To be honest. <laughs> Neither do we. Neither do we. <laughs> so I just like to I flow like that. But I had found a location that didn't seem ridiculous when it came to the rent. And I knew that, okay, if I'm generating, you know, in, in ballpark, I'm, I'm, I like to be transparent with my figures because I feel like sometimes that's the motivation that somebody's looking for that's sitting on the edge of their seat listening to this. So, you know, I was pushing around 60 to 70,000 uh, training, um, very little overhead. And I mean, I'm, I think I'm rolling. And then I, I was, I, I didn't want that to be the ceiling. So I started looking for a space. I found a space. I was like, man, if I take a portion of what I'm making as profit now, I could really open my own studio and maybe I could create the same concept that I'm working for. Um, so that was the thought process was to open a concept and I found a location, the price per square footage was somewhere around 12 to $13 a square foot. So 
my rent, rent it, the space is about 3,500. So you do the math on that. And then from there, I was like, well, at least if I'm paying way more overhead, it's mine. I can like, it's mine. And now the ceiling got a little higher. Um, so I'm that kind of guy. I like to think about the now, but at the same time, I like to know that in five years, I could potentially be in a better place financially, spiritually, whatever it may be. So right. um, I made that initial investment, opened up a studio and the studio was kind of in a, in it was in a location that you actually would never see it. Um, and that's how the concept was built. The space okay. was in the back of another space in the back of another space down an alley, go under the mailbox, knock three times, pick up the bottle <laughs> and then you get let in. So when I saw that, I'm like, dude, it's not like I'm on Peachtree or I'm on Lennox Road. I was like, you know what? Why don't we just make it seem like we did this shit on purpose? And then boom, that's when the secret location became and the invite only kind of was birthed. And then um, we, I just took it and run with it. And it's actually, I feel like makes me more money than if I'd done it the other way. That is awesome. <laughs> so that's that how is- that was born. So, um, I mean, there's a million gyms in Atlanta, obviously yours is unique in that, you know, it is invite only, um, with, with your workouts and things like that, are you doing anything special to kind of separate yourself from the pack or what could somebody expect if they went to misfit? Yeah. Um, absolutely, man. That, that's kind of like my, my bread and butter is that I, I really spend a lot of time focusing on what other uh, studios are doing because I want to be looked at as more of a studio because I plan on opening this concept in multiple locations all over the country. Um, and I've already started those type of conversations and we're, we're kind of building out what that looks like, the five-year plan, where we're going, how we're headed, branding, marketing, et cetera. Um, but what I've done is my experience from football all the way back to DHS, shout out to the Wildcats, um, <laughs> and then bring that all the way up to uh, the small stint that I had with the Carolina Panthers um, that form of training, and Johnny can attest to that, it's far different than what you get when you just walk into a gym now. Sure. Um, the strength, the conditioning, the the team atmosphere. I mean, I remember us maxing out, Johnny, in, 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 in high school, and it's like you got your whole team around you while you're maxing out. You're doing shit that don't make sense on paper. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what I miss the most about the sport football. Um you know, nothing really impact me to the point where, you know, I would not that I don't care about things, but I'm very I'm very uh, I'm very middle grounded. I'm very grounded. Nothing gets me too high. Nothing gets me too low. Um, I'm just really ready to work with whatever I get. But the last game that I walked off the field in college, I cried and I actually couldn't control it. Um, and it was unreal. I literally dropped to a knee. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the first time in my life that. I will not be able to do something because I want to do it from this right. point moving on. It's up to somebody wanting me to do it also for me to have that access And that. I didn't know how to deal with that. That was so crazy to me. Um, so, you know, gathering all the styles of training from plyometrics to understanding like the human physiological, the body rehab, um, strength and conditioning. I mean, the team atmosphere, the 110s, the 60s, the gassers. Um, that's what I've created in a, in a group setting. So if you can imagine Georgia and the way they train their athletes, imagine that just in a studio for regular day-to-day people that just go to work every day. Same concept. Super awesome. Yeah. Tight-knit community. You, tight you become community. super tight through yeah. sweating and hard work. Exactly. So that's exactly what we're doing. We're talking about five to six squat rack set set up. Everybody's squatting. We're talking about everybody. We're running one tens outside. There's 10, 15 people. Everybody's running in gases for time. Uh, We've got people maxing out. We've got three or four females clapping, clapping, looking at somebody. Boom. That's what I've created. And a lot of people, which I didn't realize because I was in the, the atmosphere of sports my whole life, a lot of people have never been on a team. They don't right. know what it looks like. They don't know what it feels like. They, they, you know, family is the closest thing to, you know, uh, a team that they've ever been in. And I was like, wow, like I might really just my experience alone is is that's why I'm so taken back that I get recognition for this. I'm like, well, that was just my world. I like all I knew was team. Like I didn't really know how to be by myself or do anything on my own. I'm always expecting to be with four or five other guys. So 
now that I provide it for people, they love it. So let, let me circle back real quick. You, um, you mentioned a couple points about like the entrepreneur and kind of going out and, like, you know, we all think you've got it together, you know, everything, but really you're just kind of figuring it out on the own, on your own. And my, my, my cousin, we interviewed a couple episodes ago. She's a top beach body coach, you know, P90X, all that stuff. Oh, wow. Like literally the number one beach body coach in the country. That's humongous. <laughs> oh, dude. She's got like 7,000 people underneath her. Like it's Holy crazy. Give me a phone call with her. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll set it up. But what she was telling us is like, you know, re- relating to the entrepreneurial mindset is a lot of times you you find a passion, you find something that lights your fire and you don't always know what the next five years is going to be, but you just work on it. So like she would work you know, nine to five at the corporate gig, but she would come home and do her beach body stuff at all hours of the night, not really knowing where it was going to lead, but just knowing that that's what she should be doing. And it sounds like you've kind of, you've had a similar journey where like, you don't exactly know where you're going to be in five years, but you got a game plan and you're working every day, day in and day out to, to try and get that. Yeah. I guess my, my question I'm getting at is, for our, our audience who may be on the fence of, you know, they're, they're stuck in a corporate job that, you know, there's some security there, but maybe they have a passion on the side. How do you get, how do you make that decision to take that leap? Um, it, it's a, it's a tough one for people that are fighting that battle of, like we said, like stability, comfort. Um, and I don't mean comfort in a wrong way. Like you're sitting on a couch eating pizza or comfort, but just understanding that, you know, it's not as risky, you know, um, but what people don't realize is, quote unquote, the nine to five you have or whatever you're doing uh, to, to generate revenue. And if it's you're doing it because of, you know, you might have kids or, you know, you went to school for it. There's actually no security in that either. I think I think we're blanketed to assume that 401ks and all the other stuff are picture perfect and, you know, they're going to work out. But Man, I deal with a lot of my clients, man, and I'll get conversations where somebody will walk in and they've been working for a company for 12 to 15 years and they merge with another company and they fire you on the spot and they give you a little severance and then you got to go figure it out. Um, The jobs, man, they will do what you they will do the unthinkable at the worst time. And you have to just take ownership of what you get out of, of life in your grind. And if you're going to grind so hard, if you're going to make sure that you're hitting the numbers for Q1 through four, if you're going to make sure that you're hitting your metrics for the job, believe me, it's in you for, to, for you to do it for yourself. Um, sometimes it's hard to find out what that is though. Um, but it takes time too. It's not a six month, seven month, eight month thing. It may take you three years to figure out like, Hey man, I actually like nonprofit work or, Hey, I actually want, I do, you know, some cycling classes on the weekends, but I could really do this for a living or, Hey, I want to be a trainer. I can really be a trainer. You have to attack it uh, really aggressively because like we said earlier, like those, those jobs ain't guaranteed, man, they'll cut you. Uh, and that's kind of like, that's business. Like that's what people forget. Like business is business at the end of the day. It's never personal. And they'll cut you because of numbers. They'll cut you because there's a new manager. They'll cut you for many reasons that don't make sense to you. But when it's time, they'll do it. And that's how businesses make money. Um, So you have to understand that you're a part of an institution that is that only serves value and you serves value to it as long as you're doing what it needs to be done at the particular time. As soon as that's over, you're no longer beneficial to the business. They cut you. They're not just going to leave you on payroll. Right. Um, so you got to get out of that mindset of, of, of wanting to be secure and stuff like that. Build your own security. You don't need a 401. Go make go make 500K and make your own 401. Call it a 501. Um, you don't need the, – they give you good benefits. Pay for your own. Go get your own money. Like you don't need anything they're giving you. Once you take that approach – then, then you're unstoppable, man. That's scary when people start tapping into that mindset. That's it. I quit. I quit. That's it. No, what? Um, I just saw a video about exactly about what you're saying, and it was, I think it was Magic Johnson. And he's talking about 
breaking that mindset of fear, fear of going out there and having to do it on your own, uh, fear of leaving this comfortable spot that you're in. Um, you just, it's fear in your mind. You just need to break that mindset. I think that that's pretty much what you're saying right now. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's spot on. Now I'm not going to sit up here and say it, it's all good over here. Cause it's not that same fear that you're carrying to jump. Go ahead and put that in your book bag and imagine carrying that for the next three, four, five, six, seven years. Um, it's not going anywhere, but the only difference is it's either you know you're in a job institution and you fear that they'll they'll cut the cord, or you put it on your own back and you say, if I'm good as I say I am, then there's no reason I need anybody to do it for me. I'll I'll, I'll carry my fear on my shoulder, like I'll do it on my own. Yeah. Um, you have to have that dog mamba mentality, like we've been speaking about, uh, to really attack that. But fear, it's not an easy thing to to just overcome sometimes. But the thing people have to do is they have to reverse engineer what that means. When you say you're scared of the dark, you have to take it one step before that and say, what does that mean? Well, what am I scared about the dark? Oh, I'm scared there are monsters in the dark, or I'm scared there are ghosts in the dark, or I'm scared there's somebody hiding behind the thing. You have to continue to take it back. Then you start eliminating fear because fear has to make sense. The thing is, fear doesn't make sense. Everything is a calculated risk. Everything is, is, should be able to be quantified. But when fear shows up, it's when you don't know. And if people took more time reverse engineering what that fear meant, like, hey, Brian, I have a problem with you. Okay, well, what's the problem? I don't know. Well, you don't have a problem then. Right. <laughs> you need to figure out what that is to give it the, the energy of putting it in the folder of it's a problem or I have fear. So it's the same thing with fear. You have to break down what that means and start crossing those things out. So you have less fear. So as a trainer, you're, you know, you're pushing people physically, but you're also pushing them mentally, not just through working out. What, what kind of connection do you have with the people you train on a personal level? I mean, it's like you're, we're, we've only talked really about mindset for basically 20 minutes right now. So what mindset are you trying to help instill in the people that you're working with day in and day out? Um, the mindset I think that I, I, I tr truly focus on, um, I think it, it really it really derives from the entrepreneurship. I, I truly think that makes me a better personal trainer than, you know, maybe somebody else that's in the same field because my mentality is so different um, to be able to push them to limits that they think are unachievable. So let's say somebody wants to drop weight. They want to get toned. They want to look like J-Lo did at halftime. And they're like, oh my God, <laughs> Brian, like, how, let's do it. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. Well, I have to explain to them that you have to really lock in. Like, there's no more, I can't come, or I'm tired, or I, I was working out late, or I was working late, or whatever excuse. There is zero excuses to achieve what we need to achieve in the gym. And if you could do it in the gym, which you get full 100% of the profit, you could take that same shit and go do that in a job and work for yourself. Right. If you can capture that, you, you're unstoppable. Um, so that's what that's really what, what I try to instill into them. Now, it comes with a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, a lot of text messaging, <laughs> A lot of attitudes, um, but I take the training thing and I and I make it less about your Apple Watch that you post on Instagram to show people you burn upwards of 800 calories, and I make it more about you not making excuses ever in life, ever. Right. And that's what I want them to walk away with, whether or not they train with me forever or they don't or they move on or they find somebody close to their job. I want them to take away at least that. Knowing like, man, what, regardless of the calories, the weight, the, the vision of what I thought I wanted to look like J-Lo, that, um, that, that dude just changed my mindset and that I'll be able to take with me the rest of my life. So working with all these different personalities, dealing with the text messages, the no shows, the whatever comes your way, what, um, how do you deal with that? And I mean, how do you kind of just... Uh, build your schedule what's your daily regiment look like with uh, all these different personalities you have to deal with um oh man i'm gonna be honest that one is still being developed man I, I don't know if i'll ever be able to conquer that one to perfection 
because like you said, I'm dealing with a, a new energy, a new face, and primarily my my uh, my training, um, my clients are females. Um, so I probably train over 75 women in Atlanta, uh, and that's growing rather quickly, and I probably have like five guys. Really? Damn. <laughs> yeah, all females. <laughs> um, so you really have to be mentally, mentally like focused. I have to be super organized. My day starts off. I wake up at four o'clock. Um, the um, I wake up at four o'clock. I jump out of bed. I love to take a shower. It gets me all the way woken up. I don't need a coffee or anything like that. I jump in the car. I live. I, I live about two miles from the gym. I shoot down Piedmont. Uh, jump, make a left. I'm not telling you anymore because then you're gonna know where it's at. Um, <laughs> then I make- got GPS on you. <laughs> I make a left and I get to the studio. I crank the lights on. I've got some dope LED lights on the ceiling, so it's not like your typical white or fluorescent lights that you have. Yeah, that's uh, tight. The gym, so people don't feel like they're they're not dreading the experience. You know, um, I've got the music thumping. I've got subwoofers, speakers all in the ceiling. And the bass is knocking, and I put the most ratchet, cussing rap music you possibly think about. Um, and I got that shit. A little scrappy on repeat yeah. in Trillville. Scrappy, you know, all the good old classics, all the new stuff. Um, and then we're just thumping, man. And then you walk into there, and yes, you'll get the bad energy, the client that's got an attitude, she didn't sleep well, the boyfriend's annoying the hell out of her, her job is telling her to do 100 different things, and she didn't get out till 9 o'clock at night. Yes, the attitudes come right in there. And me, which I'm growing and learning, is you have to be able to get that and you have to give them their energy and you have to give them the more positive vibes in return. The things it the thing is, it takes a lot of toll on me as a person because it's actually my job to wake up and give people all my energy, but I never get necessarily replenished myself. Um, right. so that's why I spend so much time doing editing, photography, videography, branding. Uh, because that actually allows me to step away from what my job or my career path is at this point in time and allows me to kind of take my head out of a space and be, be, become more creative. It's less about business and it's more just about creating cool stuff, um, logos, colors, websites, design, new business, meal prep, uh, clothing, all the above. So that, that's kind of how my day uh, goes. I only work three days a week. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I only work ten hours a month. Uh, uh, I only work ten hours a week, also. Um, so for the month, I'm only working forty hours. Damn, Damn oh. you! <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how my day works, man. The max I work in a day is three hours. When it comes to physical showing up at a location, um, and putting work, I only work three hours a day every other right. But you're taking the uh, the rest of the time to build your brand, to build yes. the the things that light that fire yeah. inside of you too, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I spend all the other time is. Um, I always I, I talk with my my assistant about all the time. It's like she's like, bro, you never stop. Like I'll be up to like four. I'll be up till three o'clock in the morning, and my and I'll be like, all right, I got to go to bed, and I'll wake up an hour later and go to the gym and train like I nothing ever happened. Um, but I just think I can't believe that they call that shit work. Like, I don't, Johnny, do you remember what work looked like in the summers on the football field? Yeah. Like for me to sit here and say, oh, sitting in front of a computer is work. I, I'm, I can't call that work. Like this is, this is a breeze. Like training camp with the Panthers is work. Training camp in college as a true freshman trying to gain 20 pounds is work. Like, but sitting on a mat in the comfort of my home in the AC or the heat, uh, editing a photo and video, this is just like ice cream. And I think <laughs> that's why I kill it. I think that's why I just never stop because I'm like, I'll never call this work. This is just so easy. It's so fun. Like, it is fun. Yeah. yeah it's not work. It's not work one bit. And that's why I don't stop. This is kind of, I mean, that's what this podcast is to us. Um, we just, I hadn't talked to Johnny in like six months. I called him up. I was like, Hey man, you want to do a podcast? And he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. So that was like November or or something else like that. man. so from that point to now, I mean, we're pretty proud of where we're, we're at. We got some, we've, I mean, last week we interviewed my buddy that played with Kobe and got to get his take on what Kobe meant to him and what the mama mentality was and seeing that day in and day out. So you talk about like just 
the success is everywhere and it comes from all walks and can be measured in a million different ways. So it's just cool to, to hear your energy and, and your mindset is very similar to kind of ours for this podcast. So Right. Yeah. And, you know, kind of piggybacking on what Andrew just said, we are a new show starting out, you know, we're two, we're two dads that are social media <laughs> retarded. And um, yeah. it's like, this is one of the things that I think you do really well and how you built a brand. I live across the country from you and I have a pretty good understanding of what it is that you do and how you're different. And I think it's badass from where I sit. What, what do you think, um, what are some of the things that you do to help build your brand? Um, what are the best things? What would you say to somebody starting out or what would you say to yourself, you know, however many years ago when you started this, what would you, what was the advice you would give that person? Um, branding. Um, so a branding is, is so a, you have to differentiate what branding, uh, what marketing and what advertising are. Those are three different components. And, I think a lot of people mix them together, um, but ultimately, like people have to really dive into what the brand is trying to to build and what that image looks like. And you have to get inspiration from other existing brands to create to find out what you want your brand to to to, to resonate on people. So I spend a lot of time watching the Nikes of the world, the Under Armors of the world. Um, the, the, the other studios of the world, uh, clothing lines and clothing brands, particular people that I like to watch um, that have amazing and beautiful brands. And then you just put it all in a glass and you shake it up and then you kind of create your own. Um, but you have to, it, it for me, I just like a simple, clean, bold, not too much glitter, not too much this, not too much that. Um, and very different. Like if there are a ton of people in the space, I don't mind getting in the same space, but I'm going to go left if they're all going right. Right. Um, And I think that's what, what, what ultimately allows me to step into a fitness realm where I'm, I'm the new guy on the block. I'm three years into this stuff. And for people to say, that's always the comment I get like, yo, your branding is crazy. And I'm like, I don't even call it branding. I'm just like, I like that. And I just make it happen. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) It's just, it's, it's really, it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? I think people have to also take, uh, take a note out of that to understand, like, maybe you're not the branding guy for your company. Maybe you're not the branding person for yourself. Maybe you need to pass those keys off and give it to a designated driver. Um, that might not be your thing. It's just a blessing that I so happen to be the branding guy for my own company. And I work for my own company too. So the vision stays consistent no matter what's going on because I'm the guy creating it, then I'm the guy implementing it. Um, but if branding doesn't come super easy, it doesn't come natural, um, don't try to be a branding person, man. Take a few pages, take a look at YouTube, uh, see what you like, sit down, find a team member, and, and see how you guys can work together and let them focus on the shit that they're good at um, because. When you're competing, and I mean this in the most humble way, but if you're if you're another fitness trainer, let's say in Atlanta, and you're competing against me for branding, and it doesn't come as natural to you, like, dude, I'm gonna eat everything on your plate. You're not gonna be able to survive around somebody like me. This shit happens to me when I wake up. You are finding what your brand is, finding what you should do, what color you should do, how you should do it. You don't wanna you don't wanna jump in the ring with a guy like me. Give it to somebody who does it who has a better fighting chance. Cause if you do, they'll never hear your brand. If you're next to me, I'll never even give you an opportunity to ever, ever get an opportunity for your branding to be louder and more impactful than mine. So you got to know when to give it up. Like I don't handle the back end of my business. I let my, I let my assistant run all that. I'm not going to try to be that person. You know, you have to know where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. But if branding is your thing, You'll notice it comes very natural. It's very easy. You're you're not too stuck on things. I mean, you're just shooting from the hip, and it's always hitting right. Right. So, Brian, you. I mean, I think everybody listening up to this point will be able to tell that you're a pretty proactive guy. You don't sit around and wait for things to happen. You get up at three a.m. 
you, you attack the day. Johnny and I came across a video the other day, and Johnny mentioned it earlier. You had a stint with the the Panthers, yep. but you didn't sit sit back and wait for things to happen then either. Can you can you tell our audience what you did that was kind of unique so that you could get a shot at the next level when you were uh, still playing college ball? Yeah, so I came out of the year of the lockout, which is the I, I just I say this all the time. It had been the worst year on this earth. Uh, I, if you were born in 1988 and you redshirted in college, you were going to land flat on the year that they decided to not have the CBA and deal uh, into fruition. Um, so I came out of the year of the lockout and. I didn't get my first opportunity uh, that year. I had a lot of interest. I spoke with a lot of teams, Raiders, uh, Green Bay, uh, New England. Denver was super heavy. Um, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm just a little guy out of Dunwoody, Georgia. Uh, am I really about to go to the league? This is crazy. Um, and I'm all gassed up, man. But that lockout, I didn't realize how serious it was until it was time to get drafted or priority free agent. So, um, I, I went down the route of going to the more smaller leagues to kind of continue to play football. And I could have sat on my butt then and waited for a phone call from my agent. But I was like, no, I'm going to go take whatever opportunity to give me. Got an opportunity with the Chicago Rush, which was in the Arena Football League. Um, I played there. I, I drove my vehicle. And you'll, you guys will get a kick out of this. I, I had I was working at a gym, a local gym back then. And I mean, I was barely making any money. And, you know, I don't come from super rich parents at all. And they didn't really have any money to put in my books either. So I, I, I get enough money to attach a trailer to the back of my SUV. And I stuff all the stuff I can stuff in. One of those little tiny trailers you put on the back of a, of a, uh, I had a, um, a Trailblazer SS. And I attached a trailer and I, I, I go there with the intent of making the team guys, and I bought a one-way ticket. I had no no money to come back. Holy shit. <laughs> so I drove to Chicago, and it was with every the last check I got from my gym and a little bit of money I had saved up. I bought everything, attached it. I drove up to Chicago. I made it. I, I gotten, we, we were in hotels then, and training camp was about three or four weeks. Um, so I got in there, guys, and I got freaking cut from the arena team. <laughs> so I call up U-Haul, man, and U-Haul had this great, great special, um, you know, first month free, and, you know, you don't have to pay until the next month, and that was my only option. I had to get home, and I couldn't afford to put the stuff in a trailer to take it back to Georgia. Um, So I put all my stuff in the storage room, and I stuffed my car as tight as I could, and I drove back cross-country back to Chicago, uh, from Chicago, heading down to Atlanta, and then I got a phone call from Pittsburgh, uh, their, their arena football team, which was the Pittsburgh Power at the time. Drove out there. I shacked up for about three weeks. I got cut again. Now, I'm like, man, I can't be this bad. Like, golly, I can't even catch a cold out here. Um, so got with Pittsburgh Power. They released me. I'm driving down to Georgia drive home, make it back to Atlanta, had a couple workouts here and there, but I, I actually never went and got that stuff that I, I left. And it kind of broke my heart, to be honest, because my mom had spent my entire high school career saving a little bit of money here and there and buying me the, the just the necessities, like toiletries, toothpaste, toothbrush, plates, forks, shoes, blankets, clothes. I mean, she bought tubs of it and she sent me to college with it. And I had to leave that stuff in, in in a in a storage room, man. And it just broke my heart because I knew my mom spent all the little bit of money she could to help me go to college. Um, and I had to leave that stuff. So needless to say, I'm back home, guys. I get a job at Eclipse Delona. Not to uh, uh, Johnny should know where that's at, the right? One oh, in a we, we all know where that is. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I got <laughs> I was working at Eclipse Saloon. I'm good friends with Sam Ehrlich, who went to Dunwoody, as well as Clark Davis and um, Susie's their mom. And so they got me a nice little serving gig there in Boston gig. And I was just working there, man. I trained early at seven o'clock in the morning with my trainer. And then I would just work at the restaurants at night. Um, and I picked up another restaurant job for the weekends. And I just hustled guys for like, I want to say like a year and a, a year. Uh, then I got a phone call from a Virginia team in the UFL, which was another league that existed. I got called up. That's when I got my first taste of a little bit of money. They actually paid me like 
$2,000 for a game. I was like, holy crap, I'm killing it. Uh, <laughs> so I flew up there and then got me. I played in the game, had a good time. Well, let me tell you this. By the time I got to the bus to get back to the hotel, that league had folded. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm on a flight back to Atlanta. Everybody's With the like, check bounce? Thank God the check went through, man. So I got oh, my little paycheck. And I call up Eclipse Galuna. Guys, I'm back again. And I, I'm sure you could feel, know how that feels for your morale. You're like, damn, man, these guys probably think I'm just shitting up a storm. Just keep telling them I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Um, yeah. But I never steered, I, I never fell off course, man. And I actually figured out how to break down the email domain mains of the NFL. I hope they don't call me and sue me one day. Um, but if you go to any particular NFL football team, you can scroll down to the bottom and you see how their ticket office uh, domains are set up. So let's just say it's the Houston Texans. They might have, con- please contact um, rachel at HoustonTexans.com. Well, that told me exactly how their emails were broken down because the end of the domain. And if I could see what, say her name was Rachel Rogers, it might say RR Rogers at HoustonTexans.com. You go to Wikipedia, Wikipedia is updated every day on who the head coaches are, assistant coaches are, whoever it may be. So then I just started taking the names from Wikipedia. I'd plug them into whatever their domain breakdown was. And I would email every coach, all 32 teams, positions, coaches, uh, player personnels uh, for every single team. And, guys, they were responding to me. Like, I have email from Bill Belichick. That is awesome. <laughs> that is you awesome. Can print that out and frame it. You, yeah. hacked, you hacked the NFL. <laughs> I hacked in there. Uh, and I'm talking about, like, full-blown conversations to the point, like, Mark uh, Schottenheimer from the Eagles, uh, 49ers. It got to a point I was just calling and they know who I was. They were like, hey, Brian, we don't have any openings today. I'll talk to you next week. Um, And I never gave up, man. And I did that shit for like seven or eight months. It just never made sense for me to stop doing because I knew one day if they just looked at my film, they wouldn't be like, he's terrible. They'd have to be like, well, shit, just call him, man. He doesn't look awful. Get him in here. Um, And then it was the following year draft. And I'm serving tables, and I get an email in that goes – it just – I mean, Gmail hits me, ding, and it's the player personnel for the, the Panthers, bro. And uh, the guy was like, hey, Brian, we've been trying to reach out to you. We've been calling your agent, but we can't get a hold of him. Are you still playing football? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I go to my table and I got sat like a six top, like two kids, their parents, like it's like a little party. I'm like, hey guys, can you give me a second? I gotta step outside here. Um, and I step outside, I give the dude a call. I didn't have an agent anymore. Uh my agent wasn't doing shit. I don't even know his name and good. Um, but agents don't do anything. I'm like, there's no way an agent's gonna want me to make the NFL more than I want to make the NFL. So that's why I took it upon myself to do all the emailing, the phone calls. And all that because I'm like, he probably has 10 players and I'm probably this bottom feeding, you know, defensive end out of a small school in Williamsburg, Virginia. He don't care. He know he's not about to get no check off of me. Um, so I, 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 I called them, the dude back. Next thing you know, guys, he's like, we need you in minicamp in two weeks. Can you make it? I said, bro, I'll be there. I walk in. I'm clearly jumping on the phone. I walk up back into the restaurant. The entire restaurant is on their feet clapping. What? How did they know? Well, they knew, I uh, when I when I told one of the servers, "Hey, hey, can you watch my table? I have to run outside. It's a phone call. It's the Panthers." I ran ah. out, and when they saw me like He's jumping up and down, jumping, oh, yeah. they were like, "What?" I walked. <laughs> the whole restaurant was screaming, and they were just jumping for joy, dude. And my table was like. Are you still going to serve us? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hell no, I'm out of (laughs) here. Yeah, they're like, I cannot believe my my server is an NFL defensive end, and he's serving our table. So um, it it was sheer bliss, man. And that's how I got into the NFL. There was no agent. It was just straight dog willpower. And like you talked about, that hustle, man, that willingness to just fucking not take no as an answer. And not let anybody decide your future. And I said, if I wanted to play in the NFL, bro, it wasn't going to be no man going to stop me from getting there. 
I'm at least going to get in there. Hell, that's uh, a good yeah, lesson. That's a great story. Yeah, that was crazy, though. Um, well, Andrew, you got anything else? Man, this has been awesome, man. I love the yeah. energy. I love the passion. Um, you're doing it. If you, if you don't know stuff, you're doing a good job of faking it. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Fake it till you make it, man. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. I mean, the thing people have to realize, man, there's no, there's no book, man. You can't, there, nobody's going to tell you nothing that you don't already know. Like, you stop. You got to stop looking for what's right, and it's got to be right for you based on the cards you're dealt. Um, so the way my cards were dealt, I went to a small school. I didn't have a good agent. I had the lockout. Like, who's gonna tell you how to do that? Right. There's nobody telling you how to get into that. So the book only makes sense backwards. And if you realize that, it's like whatever you think, just freaking do it. It doesn't even matter if you think that's what you need to do. Just do it. And then you realize that it's no longer faking it. It's actually executing it. It's executing a plan. So that's what I do well. It's not necessarily that I don't know what I'm doing. It's just I do an amazing job of executing whatever I think. Right. And I have to battle with people. They're scared to execute what mom and dad may say, what friends may say, how they may look. And I'm just like, I don't care what y'all think. I'm about to do whatever I think is right, wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I make more mistakes than the average person. That's why I'm good at this shit. But if you want to be picture perfect and go nine for nine at the free throw, buddy, good luck. I mean, everybody's shooting for that one, but you got to go miss a couple free throws before you get good at it. I like what you said early in the show. Um, and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody put it this way, but you said we're all living for the first time, right? right. So we're all trying to figure it out. And for anybody to just act like they've got it all to together like it's just a it's impossible facade. yeah it's yeah. A facade. that's all it yeah. is impossible this would have to be your second life for you to tell me how to do it um and if you just live on that mindset and understand the person that looks like they're killing it they got it together and understand hey bro this is their first time doing this then you'll put in perspective like well hell i can make i can make not know what i'm doing look good too <laughs> you know like um, but me, I'm very transparent about that. You know, I, I love to tell people I don't know what I'm doing. So more people try it. It's just the execution of it. It's the attempt that we don't get out of people. Um, but if you just learn to, you fall in love with more of the process than you do the outcome. I don't really even care that this gym is so successful and all the other stuff. I just like waking up at four o'clock and just feel like grinding. I love that. You know what I'm saying? Ding, ding. <laughs> I love the process more than I do anything else. And that's not something you have to be born with. You can teach yourself to fall in love with the process. Um, you just set low expectations from the, the portion of you getting exactly what you want the way that you want it. You don't have to remove the expectation of getting what you want, but the way that you want it, you need to, re- uh, you have to get rid of. Cause once that's the answer, then if the goal was the NFL, I don't have to get in a particular way. The goal needs to be the NFL. Now, how I get into the NFL, well, don't fall in love with that. Just fall in love with getting to the NFL, and that's what I did. Right, right. Yeah. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Excellent. All right, man. Well, Johnny, let's hit him with it. Brian, this is – yeah, man, this is the gauntlet. All, all right. right. This is a section of our show. Johnny and I ask alternating questions. We will go back and rate your answers, and if they don't line up with our opinions, they're wrong. Okay. <laughs> so that's the task at hand. I'm going to drop the bomb, and then the clock's going to start. Are you ready? I'm ready to hit it. Let's do it. All right, Johnny, you got the first one. Okay. Does Dak Prescott deserve a max deal? No. Capri Sun or Sunny D? Capri Sun. Kettlebells or dumbbells? Dumbbells. If you could master any skill in the world, what would it be? To not care. J-Lo or Shakira? J-Lo. Are all diets just fads waiting to happen? Absolutely. How many of the four majors does Tiger win this next year? All of them. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. What's the scary? <laughs> what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? 
Saw four. Ooh, okay. Pre-workout drink or nah? Nah. Post-workout drink or nah? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, fuck, you answered you those so many crap. <laughs> <laughs> you broke it. You win. You're the fucking Oh, winner. my God. <laughs> Everybody else takes so much longer to answer the questions. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you practice? No, I was just fired from the hip, like you said. He knew the fucking <laughs> questions. This, this is rigged. <laughs> All right. Well, you yeah, did yeah. so good. You earned yourself a bonus question, okay? Absolutely. Final bonus question. Do you agree with DMX that jet skis should really be called motorcycles? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Never mind. You lose. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you- I saw, I saw that on the internet. I thought that was the funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Never heard that. I can't believe I did not. I got to see that. <laughs> He's like, man, you fucked up. <laughs> Name them jet skis. <clears throat> All, right. All right, Brian. That was that was good stuff, man. I, I, I love the energy. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I love what you got going on social media. I love the colors. I love the branding. I like how it's kind of mysterious, but it's also got some bright and bold pop-in features. Uh, where can everybody follow you on social media? I mean, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's my name broken up. So it's B as in boy underscore John Pierre. Uh, that's J-E-A-N-P-I-E-R-R-E, all one word. Um, and you'll see the the attacks to my gym and the uh, clothing company we're starting and meal prep company and supplement company and all the other things I like to do. In a media conglomerate? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. It. And we want to sell the big, big, big kahuna one day. So we keep everything in-house. It's an early stage Beachbody Corporation. Oh, right? <laughs> they are somewhere. Yeah. When you start multi-level marketing, let me be the first. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be like my cousin, Ashley, and I'll be the, the biggest coach. There you go. That's what I need, man. <laughs> I would definitely need it. All right, man. Well, appreciate your time. Good luck on everything else, man. We'll, we'll obviously keep up with you, man. We're gonna have to check in with you and make sure your your goals, your your grinding towards your goals. We'll Definitely, keep, yeah, we'll- Brian, man. Thanks a lot for being on. This it's been a this is a good episode. You had a lot of solid points that you made. We really appreciate it, bud. Love the energy, man. Keep it up. No doubt, man. I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm always humbled by stuff like this because. I literally just wake up and I'm like, it's just crazy how me just waking up and doing what I do, regardless if somebody saw it or not, is that impactful. Um, so I always love to take the opportunity to just kind of voice uh, what's what's going on and what's in my head and how I create, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like I said, awesome job. Uh, lo- love speaking with you guys. I love being able to share those stories and be able to to invite or to motivate somebody else who might be on the cusp. And that's what you guys are doing with a, with a podcast like this. And yeah. I, Johnny, it's great to connect with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> block, D block, Dunwoody in the building. Um, and like I said earlier, it just hits a really sweet spot to just see how we've just grown up so, uh, so quick, man. But we still got so much life left. So I'm, I'm enjoying you guys being along the ride with me. Yeah, buddy. Should we play that music? Let's do it. That's pretty good. We'll get there.